Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners, or maybe this episode should be DFB Pokal for Beginners, because we're going to be talking about the cup games that have happened this midweek. I'm Jamie Smith, your co-host, joined as usual by the same old crew as normal. If you're regular listeners, you'll be familiar with my co-host, Kevin DeVries, who's from the EPL Roundtable podcast. That's the same channel that we're on. Jim Knight and John McKenzie are here as well. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at BundesligaPod, and please do get in touch with any comments, feedback, questions, or just ruminations about life, I suppose. <laughs> um, so we'll start with the, the second semi-final. Let's do things backwards. Wednesday night's game, Bayern Munich seeing off Eintracht Frankfurt and booking their place into the final where they'll play Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Jim, we'll start with you for this one. It looked like Bayern were going to wheeze away after scoring fairly early, but that's not how this game played out. Yeah, um, it was a little bit frustrating to watch for those of us that wanted a competitive contest because I think Eintracht Frankfurt went out there with the idea that if they could just contain Bayern for the first 45 minutes, then they might be able to take their chances in the second half. And that's kind of how it transpired, really. Perisic put Bayern up kind of within 15 minutes. And to be honest, if they'd have been a little bit more clinical, then Bayern could have been out of sight. And we probably could have been doing this podcast about 45 minutes earlier than we actually are. Um, (laughs) Not that I'm bitter about that at all. Um, At all. But (laughs) yeah, and then Frankfurt at halftime just seems to kind of start the ignition really and actually start going for it, putting a bit of pressure on Bayern and Da Costa got them back in it um, and actually threatened to make a contest of it a little bit. And then Lewandowski um, put Bayern back in front after a long VAR check, which seemingly made very little sense because he was very clearly onside when the balls played across. Um, and yeah, and then Bayern win again, kind of the same old thing is resumed. But yeah, it's probably, I think Frankfurt will probably just be kicking themselves a little bit at the lack of opportunity that they gave themselves with a super defensive approach first up. And then, you know, they showed that they could mix it with Bayern for a short period of time. It's just a shame they didn't try it a little bit earlier, really. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? I suppose you could argue that the plan worked because they stayed in the game and then got the equaliser. But you're right, maybe if they'd played differently and taken the game to Bayern more in the first half, then then they could have been ahead. So, yeah, it's a, a funny one the way it played out. Um, Kev, this is probably the most we've seen Bayern tested since the restart. They've won most of their games fairly easily. Yeah, that first match they, they won fairly easily, but the scoreline wasn't too crazy. Um, but yeah, especially in that second half, as Jim was saying, Eintracht Frankfurt really started getting after them, and I briefly was optimistic about not having to play <laughs> Bayern Munich in the final. But it was interesting seeing it, but I kind of feel like this is... Uh, a little bit of the disappointment is that even when Bayern struggle or or aren't at their best, they still manage to to come out with a win, even though that certainly didn't look like it was guaranteed to be the result, uh, especially after Frankfurt got their first goal. 
Yeah, and another assist for Thomas Muller as well. Obviously, it doesn't count towards <laughs> the record that we were talking about in the in the last podcast because it's not a Bundesliga game, obviously. Um, but show that that creativity is still very much alive. And John, I think we were all expecting this to be a bit more one-sided than it was, but I don't know if it was a case of Bayern not taking it seriously or Eintracht just surprising them, but they really had to battle through this one. Yeah, it was quite interesting, I thought. It was almost the opposite of the tactic that Leverkusen used against Bayern, which was come out and attack and and then maybe try and hold, hold the lead. Um, whereas Frankfurt really sort of held... The, the game as close as they could for about 60 or 70 minutes and then they brought on their attacking substitutions and it seemed as though it just might pull off. I thought this was the best game p- perhaps of the um, the Bundesliga restart, which is ironic, as you've mentioned, it's not the Bundesliga. Um, but it may well be the case that <clears throat> much of that comes down to the fact that this was a, an actual competitive game for Frankfurt. We talked about Frankfurt um, early on in the in the podcast about uh, the the lack of um, pressured games, really. There's not much for them to play for. And it seemed as though the chance of getting into the Pokal final really gave them uh, something extra and it's just a shame that, that the season has has gone the way it's gone really and uh, I wonder whether or not um, we, we the, the the season will be improved behind closed doors next year if clubs have something to play for so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens from here on in. Yeah certainly more of a contest than the league game between these two sides a few weeks ago when Bayern right 5-2 winners Eintracht presumably learned a few lessons from that one. Um, Bayern surprisingly don't have that great a record in this competition, Jim, in the last few years. They won it last year, but lost to Eintracht in the final the year before that. Clearly seem motivated by the chance to keep the name on this trophy. They've won it twice in four years, which by Bayern standards is not very good. Yeah, I think it's it comes to it kind of sets the standard, I guess, when we think a fifty percent strike rate in a domestic cup isn't particularly good. Um I think a lot of a lot of uh, leagues would see a lot less than that, given the dominance of Bayern. It's uh, it's viewed as a, a relative failure, I guess. Um, and I think I think John's alluded to this a couple of times before on the pod that you know they are almost expected to do a domestic double um, every season, and anything less than that is seen as falling short. And then the Champions League is the aspirational goal um, to go and kick on. So yeah, they'll be they'll be favourites in the final, obviously against Leverkusen, but it. In a one-off game, we we saw Leverkusen mix it up with them and go ahead in the, the last league game. So, you know, I'm sure most of us will hope for some kind of upset, if not, then a competitive game at least, and and not just another buy-in uh, cakewalk to uh, another piece of silverware. Yeah, I suspect that we're all going to be cheering on by Leverkusen in the final. Um, that's set for July 3rd, I think. So a bit of a wait for that one. Um, obviously, the end of the season as normal, but everything's been pushed back because of coronavirus. Um, Bayern's winner, Kev, before we move on to the next game, as Jim mentioned, came thanks to VAR. And there's been some criticism in Germany and around the world watching these games. VAR seems to have been underused. But even though the decision took quite a while to get right, it did give them a goal that they should have had. So Eintracht might feel a little bit hard done by that it was a, a VAR decision, but you couldn't really argue with it. Davies was certainly onside in the build-up and Goretzka with a really clever touch to set up Lewandowski. Yeah, as weird as VAR's implementation has been in England, I, my assumption this whole time is that its reception in Germany has been better. Uh, as you say, there have been a couple of moments that just haven't been thrown to VAR, which have been really surprising since the restart. But... Uh, as you say, I, I don't really think that 
Frankfurt can feel hard done by considering that the call ended up being the correct one. Um, from the TV angle, it looked like he may have been offside, but then you, you account for the fact that the angle was not in the camera's favor in, in that situation, and then you see it was the right call. Uh, you know, you just got to give credit to VAR for getting it right, just because it's easy to slaughter them for all of the wrong decisions doesn't mean we should kind of question the right ones just because usually it's worse. Um, so, yeah, perfectly willing to always accept the right decisions uh, via VAR, just as uh, we were to accept the right decisions pre-VAR. Just, it's, it's the ratio of good to bad that I think needs to be improved. Yeah, and obviously the timing as well. Like Jim said, it seemed like that was a reasonably clear-cut um, decision. I'm not sure why it took them so long to True. make it. It was pretty clear from the first good angle that Davies hadn't gone offside. Um, what I really liked about this game was, like John was saying, the intensity with both teams obviously having something to play for. What we've seen with Frankfurt's form in the leagues, it's been quite uneven because they're mid-table, they're safe, they're probably not going to get into Europe. Didn't quite see that intensity in the first semi-final, did we, Kev? We talked about it on the last show. It was always going to be difficult for the Saarbrücken from the fourth tier. Haven't played a game for three months, and it was very one-sided, as pretty much everyone expected. Yeah, well, you did ask me in that show how I would feel if uh, <laughs> we got beaten by a uh, fourth-tier club. Fortunately, managed to avoid that potentially embarrassing fate. But as you say, it, it was incredibly one-sided. Um, with possession, I think Leverkusen had over 80% of the ball the entire match, which is just absurd for anybody that looks at possession statistics. Obviously, they don't mean everything, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Saarbrücken did not have the ball very frequently. Um, I was kind of mean to Diaby in the uh, show at the weekend. He obviously gets the first goal and a really nice one. Uh, to start this one, so that was nice to see. Um, I also mentioned that uh, I was really interested to see what the team selection would be, and it was a very young side. Not not, not a fully rotated side, but a very young one nonetheless. Uh, if my counting is right, three outfield players, four total over the age of 25. Um, so I, I know it's a relatively young squad, but this, this was the younger ones uh, even further still. It was really nice finally getting to see uh, Paul Ewan there. I think we mentioned at the time we would probably see a lot more Verts, uh, who obviously did get the start as well. Uh, yeah, play style-wise, everything was really ticking, as you would kind of expect. A, a little, uh, <laughs> some have accused the atmosphere in the Bundesliga matches of feeling a little training matchy uh, without the, the crowd noise. Of course, that coming in uh, the la- these last couple of weeks, and, and this kind of felt even more like that especially with the really low camera angle that reminds me of watching Academy games uh, for Tottenham. So, uh, yeah, but, but on, in the end of the day, it was a fairly, fairly routine win. Um, <laughs> we were talking at the Slack. Uh, finally got a, a little bit more of an extended glimpse of Volant, who I think was on for about 30 minutes. Um, and he didn't even manage a single shot. So uh, we'll, we'll see what goes on there. <laughs> Oh, he does lots of shots. That's his entire purpose. <laughs> True. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more of Alaria, who scored again. So that's two and two for him in all comps. So, yeah, it's uh, it was good to see uh, the win and hopefully building up momentum as we head into another high-pressure match uh, against Schalke, where it will be similarly embarrassing if, if Leverkusen didn't win. <laughs> Probably a similar standard at the moment, where Schalke, <laughs> and, Schalke and Starbrook and it might be a... Should swap them and see if Saarbrücken can do any better. Yeah. Oh, um, also, not to cut you off, uh, I think it's the first time in 11 years that Leverkusen have been in the DFB Pokal 
uh, final. Obviously, annoying that it's against Bayern, but you brought up their questionable record uh, in this competition. So uh, here's hoping that uh, it's not the first visit to a final in 11 years. Yeah, I mean, like I say, Eintracht beat Bayern in the final a couple of years ago, so these things do happen. Um, John, when we previewed this game, we talked about how difficult it was going to be for Saarbrücken with not having played for three months, the fact that home advantage was meaningless because they had no fans. and It was difficult not to feel sorry for them. They were so up against it. It was going to be very difficult anyway, but in the circumstances, almost impossible for them. Yeah, I think they did as as well as could be expected, really, just coming away with a 3-0 defeat. It's Like you say, it's a shame that a club from the fourth tier can battle their way all the way to a semi-final of the Bokal and... Uh, like you say, get the one the limelight stolen really by the fact that the virus has happened and to lose their edge from not being able to play competitive football during that time. So it's a real shame for them. Um, but these things happen, I suppose. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose it's not all bad. They still made history, the first fourth tier side ever to get to the semi finals of the DFB Pokal. Apparently, they made five million euros or so, so they're going to be well set up for the next couple of years. And they've been promoted because their division has been um, curtailed because of the pandemic. So still a good season for Saarbrücken, but a real shame for them that what should have been a really famous occasion felt a little bit flat. Um, Jim, come back to you because I'm aware that um, you might have to go to bed at some point because it's quite late. Um, looking ahead to the final then, um, do you have to some much hope? I suppose there's a lot of football to be played before then, but is there a maybe a chance that they start to ease off thinking about the final? How do you think the, the dynamics are going to be affected by the way the season's going to play out? It's an interesting one because I guess some of it might also play into kind of what happens with the Champions League as well. If Bayern are kind of looking past the game um, by that point, depending on what's been set up and what they've got coming up in the Champions League, if it once that gets a little bit more settled, then there's a chance that, that Leverkusen could... Um, pull off an upset and it would be an upset but it's not going to be like the biggest shock in history um if if they do beat them obviously Bayern are an absolute force um at any at any level any competition but Leverkusen did mix it with them for a time um when they they played last weekend and you know if they go out there in a one-off game just yeah you've got to leave it all out there and actually if they if they get lucky on the day and you know they, they do go ahead again but Bayern don't quite have the click to go into that overdrive that we saw where they just went from 1-0 down to 3-1 up in the space of a kind of 15-20 minute period then there's every chance that, that Leverkusen could come out on top it's just you're always going to have to probably get a little bit lucky um, against Bayern if you're going to if you're going to pull off a result you know you're going to have to play your best and hope that they don't turn up on anything close to their A game. Otherwise, the vast majority of the time, you're going to be on the wrong end of a of a decent scoreline against you. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice showpiece game because by all accounts, it should be an open, quite exciting encounter. So that's kind of what you want for a cup final. By the looks of the last time they played, it's highly unlikely to be like a cagey, low-scoring game. So it's almost certainly nil-nil now I've said that. But on the basis of what we've seen so far... Um, you know, Bayern have got a ridiculous amount of firepower. Leverkusen don't mind mixing it up themselves. And even if it, they were maybe a little bit too attacking last time they played, leaving themselves susceptible to to Bayern's attacking force, then it, it should be an exciting watch, if if not the result that, you know, maybe most neutrals would want in terms of seeing the underdog come out on top. 
Yeah, you wonder if Leverkusen will amend their tactics from that game after being blown away a little bit by Bayern. End of 4-2, but I think balance of the game, Bayern maybe couldn't have won that by by a bit more. Um, Kev, though, your team selection has been inspired here. I'm extremely jealous because I absolutely hate my iceberg lads. And you've got a cup <laughs> final to look forward to and possibly Champions League football. Yeah, so it's looking good on, on both fronts, obviously. Uh, the loss to Bayern was a little bit of a blow, but if I'm not mistaken, everyone else in the chase dropped points. So yeah, even yeah, that wasn't yeah, as yeah, even that wasn't as damaging as it could have been. You mentioned the cup final; it's it's more cup finals than Tottenham are going to be in this year. Um, so even <laughs> though the Bayern loss felt very Tottenham-y, uh, the going to a cup final, well, actually, <laughs> let's not draw analogies of last season. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's certainly exciting. I think the play style is exciting. Um, getting to see Peter Bosch do his best. Um, I forget the actor that you said I'm supposed to call him, so sorry. Stanley Tucci. There you go. Um, but his tactics are exciting. Therefore, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but also a lot of really talented players. Obviously, uh, Havertz, I'm getting to see what hopefully aren't his last few months um, at the club. But uh, just overall, it, it looks to be a very exciting side and one I'll probably keep an eye on. Um, definitely once the Premier League starts and, and hopefully even in future because I've always kind of wanted a foot in with the Bundesliga. I think we talked in our first show. I kind of had a soft spot for Hamburg and briefly for Schalke, but then the players I liked at Schalke left. And Hamburg, as <laughs> I learned in that first episode, not in the Bundesliga. Um, but it had always been <laughs> wanting to watch more. And I feel like, like you say, I've picked a, a really good team that's definitely engaging and, and it'll keep me interested perhaps beyond the scope that some people might be once the other leagues are back up and running. Yeah, I mean, speaking about Havertz, he missed the last couple of games with injury. It doesn't sound like it's particularly serious, so presumably he'll be back for running and um, and the cup final next month as well. Um, we mm-hmm. talked extensively on the last show about Timo Werner apparently going to Chelsea, not Liverpool, as everyone was talking about a couple of weeks ago. And the latest speculation is that Chelsea also want Kai Havertz, which... But I disagree with no information <laughs> at all. Well, I think... That's- I think that's fair. I think all the newspapers saying one thing and you saying the opposite means that he's definitely going to You have to represent both sides, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) It's just balance. Um, (laughs) They're talking about a big fee, sort of 70 million euros or something. I don't know what Leverkusen's financial situation is. I'm sure you don't either, but it would be difficult probably to refuse that sort of fee with clubs running out of money because of coronavirus. I can confirm that they have bank accounts, uh, which is in them a little bit less certain. Uh, as you say, a lot of clubs are going to have to sell a lot of the really good players. That certainly looks to be the issue in France where they aren't going to be able to uh, complete their seasons, which now looks a little silly with everybody else starting back up again. Um, so yeah, as you say, don't really know the financial situation. I know historically Leverkusen have tended to sell their better players that won out. Uh, Tottenham very beneficiary of one yeah that's not how language works um but then uh obviously uh some other of their key assets have been sold and then as we talked about in maybe the second show some of these leverkusen former starlets just haven't lived up to the hype yet or, or earned moves away like uh like your jonathan taz or entirely just blanked on his name plays on the wing this isn't a good look i wasn't impressed leon bailey um so uh yeah you can't imagine that if the right offer comes in, they'd say no to selling Kai Havertz. In fact, I bet they'd be pretty delighted for <laughs> him to not stay in the Bundesliga and just take the well-worn path to Bayern Munich. But it would probably cost a pretty penny. And I'm not really sure 
why Chelsea are doing this, and I would very much like for them to stop. <laughs> Chelsea look like they're going to be the big spenders of the window whenever it opens, having already secured the deal for Hakim Zayek from, from Ajax, so certainly worth keeping an eye on that. Um, so Havertz described as a winger in one national newspaper over here this week, which is wrong. But, John, how do you think Havertz might fit in at Chelsea if, as we expect, they sign Werner as well? Do you see Havertz playing behind Werner or potentially as a front two? I suspect they'll probably play him behind uh, Werner. Um, it seems it's a shame, really, because I think Chelsea have played quite well with their youngsters this season. Uh, and obviously, yeah. bringing in Werner looks like um, Tammy Abraham's going to be dropped, and bringing in Havertz makes it look like Mason Mount might not yeah, find it, it quite so easy really to get weird. on the pitch. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I mean, Havertz um, and Werner are still young, they're just not English. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I've also seen that the, there are rumours around about Chelsea maybe approaching Julian Nagelsmann as a coach as well, which would be oh, really? quite interesting. But how much of that I believe, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure it's just um, due diligence that is being done by Chelsea and probably agents having conversations with, with clubs. So, um, But that would be a, a really interesting move as well, although I'd be very surprised if they got rid of Frank Lampard at this point too. Um, but yeah, it will be it will be really interesting to see um, Havertz in in the Premier League, I've likened him to Dimitar Berbatov um, in, in the past. And Berbatov is one of my favourite players of all time. So it would be good to see um, uh, Havertz uh, over in the, in the Premier League as well. Uh, A not that the, the Bundesliga rate. is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's Berbatov with, with, with work rate, really. And that's what's so incredible about him because he just seems to have everything, I think. Um, and it's so rare, I think, with his body type he's got quite a languid body type and yet he still seems quick um and and quite reactive and like you say his work rate will be much higher than than Berbatov so yeah really good to see um, him in the in the Premier League I think Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, it will be one to keep an eye on. Um, Leverkusen obviously lost Brandt to um, Borussia Dortmund most recently, probably the big player that's left them, but they do seem to invest quite well as well, bringing in young players like Moussa Diaby, who came from PSG, spent quite a lot of money on him. So hopefully they'll invest and be able to push on. Um, Jim, we've talked on the podcast before about Bayern, Hoover, and all the good players in the league. So if Havertz was to go to the Premier League instead, that could be good for the Bundesliga in some ways, couldn't it? Because it's not going to make Bayern and Leverkusen, it's not going to extend the gap between them. And if Leverkusen was to invest that money well, that gives them a chance of maybe pushing on. 
Yeah, in theory, um, seventy million is the the fee that's being quoted. It's a it's a huge fee, um, and you would you would hope that they could invest that in two or three players, maybe, um, given their ability to to bring in some younger talent and maybe bolster the squad as a whole, even though they've lost quite a big part of it as an individual in in Havertz, assuming he, he does go to Chelsea. I mean, I don't really understand why Chelsea need him and it just seems like they're being linked with absolutely everybody at the moment but we'll have to see maybe they're just making up for the fact they had a transfer ban recently just trying to spend all the money um now but yeah i suppose from bundesliga centric perspective people are almost willing these players like Werner. Uh, and Havertz to go abroad outside the Bundesliga if they are going to leave, because it, it, it does mean that they're not just treading that well-worn path to either Dortmund or, or Bayern, in most cases Dortmund, then Bayern, um, in order to just make the top teams even better. And, it, you know, it, I suppose from a neutral's point of view, you do want a really competitive domestic league. So anything that kind of brings that balance back in, whether it's giving the the smaller clubs or the, the clubs without the massive budget like buying a bit more money to reinvest in their squads is, is ultimately a good thing. Um, you just got to wonder where buying will turn if they're looking at their next kind of batch of players to come in. It Maybe it just means that they shift their focus. It doesn't mean that they won't buy them. They just won't buy Havertz. They'll just turn their attention somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, apparently Hansi Flick was talking this week about wanting to invest in pace out wide and someone like Alfonso Davies, and they've probably got quite a lot of pace out wide already. Um, Leroy Sané from Man City seems to be on the cards. We've probably been talking about that one for long enough, so it might just be that Sané is the big business that they do this year when the window opens, whenever that is. We've got no idea. Um, Kev, how do you like a taste of your own medicine? I'm going to do a you. Oh, no. Leverkusen are going to sell Kai Havertz for all of the money. Who do you want them to buy? Ooh, A, they won't, but I will entertain your hypothetical. <laughs> um, I think the interesting thing with Kai Havertz is that he's so uh, versatile that it would be difficult yeah. to get a player in a similar mold. I think weirdly... Um, yeah, you can't really buy a direct replacement, can you? Yeah, well, more, I think weirdly... It, it'd be more maybe like when Tottenham sold Gareth Bale for all the money and... And then just it spread it everywhere. And only, only one of them, Christian Eriksen, really turned out to be any good. <laughs> uh, Lamella has existed for yeah, like 12 yeah, matches over yeah. five years. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, you make a really good point. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard to find a direct replacement. I think there's already... Uh, a pretty good creator there in Demir Bai, who I know John really likes. If if Verts can continue his upward trajectory, then the wings seem to be sorted with him, Diaby, and Leon Bailey up front. Alario, I've been impressed in the couple of matches that I've seen. I, I don't know what the general view of him is. Um, I thought people thought Voland was good, but he isn't really getting a look in and isn't doing much when he comes on. The defense has a lot of talent here. Maybe another center back. Because I like the idea of Tapsoba and Ta long term, but they're both good enough that they might get bought up. And obviously, Sven Bender's getting up there in years. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this squad is kind of at a weird place, which does feel very Tottenham-y, where the whole thing works pretty good as a unit. And it'll be weird trying to take that step up, trying to get a player that's above that level, because I don't think that's typically how things work there, that they tend to grow their own players. So, yeah, I don't. I really don't know what Leverkusen would do with, like, say, 70 million euro. 
I, I don't know who you would turn to and be like, this player is going to come and be the direct replacement for, for Kai Havertz, especially when a lot of other players can, can do parts of what he does. Uh, sure. but like I said, very, very hard to find anybody that's going to do all of what he does. Yeah, well, it was a good answer. I think it was a better question, but you, you made a good effort. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> John Leverkusen do seem to have this um, plan. I've forgotten a better word for plan of investing in younger players. Is that what you would expect them to do if Havertz was to go to spread the money around and try and bring in similar-ish players who are then going to increase in value and make sure that things take over financially? I suppose partly what happens to them is do they get in the Champions League next season? That would affect their pulling power. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I suspect that they probably have a trajectory already, which um, with respects to youth players will just continue on regardless of who they sell. Um, I suspect that they will try and get some kind of um, uh, marquee signing if they get all of this money for for Havertz as well. Um, and I, I suspect they might try and get a really good striker. I don't know. Um, which isn't to say that I don't rate Lucas Solario. I just think that um, th- the team that they have seems so focused on attack that um, if they could get an, a, a really elite striker in, they might become a force to be reckoned with. But I mean, I, I want in the last few podcasts, actually, I've kind of wanted to rant a little bit about Peter Bosch as a manager, because we saw in the game against Bayern that he didn't f- he didn't field wing backs in a 3-4-3 formation. He played Leon Bailey and um, <laughs> Nadim Amiri, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, that just really sort of frustrates me because Peter Bosch has a very specific way of playing, which I think when he come when he comes up against the, the sorts of teams that he can break down is really good. Um, but I think he needs to just be a little bit less idealistic uh, when it comes to teams like Bayern, where you you kind of feel as though you just have to you just have to accept that you are going to sit mainly in defensive formations when you play against Bayern and try and hit them on the counter attack. Um, so I, uh, with that in mind, I suspect that, that Peter Bosch will have a very specific idea of who he wants to to bring in. And I, again, I suspect it may be a forward player simply because, as you've said, Kevin Volland is 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 um, probably getting towards the end of his career. Um, and Kai Havertz was was having to do a lot of the um, the covering up front before he's left as well. So um, I'm, I, I, my money's on maybe a, maybe a really uh, elite striker, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on. We'll certainly listen out for any rumours. Um, this Havertz thing has just come out in the last couple of days, so it could be absolute rubbish, in which case we've just wasted 10 minutes of prime podcast time. But uh, let's <laughs> see how that happens. Kev's insistent that it's not going to happen, so yep. it's not going to happen. <laughs> we'll move on to previewing this weekend's matches then. Uh, from a quick glance at the schedule, it looks like the pick of the games is Bayern against Borussia Mönchengladbach. So we'll start with that one. Um, Jim, big test for your boys this fighting 100% since the restart. But as we talked about in the last show without Lewandowski and more due to suspension, which seems um, clumsy from Bayern to be without their two main attackers for this game. They're just handicapping themselves to show what they can do when they've yeah. not got their main assist maker and their main goal scorer. Um, and they're probably still going to win the game. So it'll be interesting. I mean, that's a it's something of a leveller for sure um, to, to have both of them absent. And, you know, from a much in Gladbach angle, that race for the, the fourth Champions League spot is super tight now um, with Leverkusen on the same amount of points as well. So it's it could be a huge, huge opportunity to gain a bit of traction, especially after 
defeat um, last weekend against Freiburg, which maybe wasn't as expected um, as a defeat in this game might be. And it, it just gives Mönchengladbach an opportunity to get back with a bit of momentum going into the end of the season. I mean, they'll be missing um, Alessandra Player as well um, after his red card. So it's suspension City on the um, absentees list for, for both teams, which is a blow because of how he started to link up so well with, with Taram um, after the break. And those two just formed a, a great partnership, especially with Mbolo still injured as well. It kind of gives a bit of a lopsided look to the attacking uh, options. But you're probably never going to get a better chance to to get a result at Bayern Munich than a game where Muller and Lewandowski are both suspended. So you've got to go out there and try and take your chances. I don't think you can you can sit back and just hope to to catch them on the the break because it's probably not going to happen. They're so good at keeping the ball. I think you've just got to pick your spots and maybe, as John was saying about his frustrate, frustrations with Peter Bosch, you know, be a little bit more proactive, but be prepared to do plenty of defensive work as well because Bayern is still going to have most of the ball. They're still going to put you under a lot of pressure and you just got to kind of hold firm and, and pick your punches and hope that one lands and you end up leaving with at least a share of the spoils because otherwise there's every chance that Leverkusen get a victory this weekend and um, then Champions League football next season is looking very, very dicey with uh, if you're three points behind with with just a couple of games to go. Yeah, it looks like it could go down to the wire. It'd be interesting to see how Gladbach's coach, Marco Rosa, approaches this one because he's very, very highly rated. And these games seem to me to be a real opportunity to make a, a name for yourself wider. I mean, Don was talking about Nagelsmann and Chelsea there, but I'm sure Marco Rosa is probably another name on shortlist of various teams. Um, I was going to say that being away from home might be beneficial to Gladbach because we've seen so few home wins apart from seemingly every time Bayern play. But uh, just before we came on air, John shared a tweet from uh, the data guys at 538, who you might recognise, and they reckon that their modelling suggests that away win upsets are actually down. So that's not good news after all. Yeah, it's not necessarily, um, as you know, it, it's still a small sample size. And also, if 538 are using some um, aggregation of kind of bookmaker odds to to distill down into the, the chances of what's an upset. You know, you've got to remember that a lot of firms will factor in the lack of home advantage into their prices as well, like post-coronavirus. So those prices will be a little bit more tilted in the favour of a, a neutral game almost, um, rather than home advantage being worth more. So, yeah, it's certainly interesting to see, to see that kind of data bearing out because you're now getting to a stage where you can start to look at a few... Um, a few rounds of results and, and start to draw some early conclusions. So it'll be interesting to see if that bears out across the, the rest of the season for sure. Yeah, I'm sure all the other leagues that are about to start, um, La Liga starts this week, the Premier League's not too far away. It'll be interesting to see if this lack of home field advantage that we've seen in the Bundesliga follows suit in, in all the other leagues. Um, Talking about the race for Champions League qualification, big games around the league obviously at this stage of the season, all games count Leipzig kick off the weekend away to Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim also in the race for Europa League football so they've got something to play for there, Dortmund are away to Fortuna, Dusseldorf but look like they're clearing off after results last weekend fell in their favour a little bit and then the last game of the weekend Kev sees your boys go to Schalke who as we keep saying on the podcast have been absolutely terrible so 
Um, although Leverkusen have had less time to recover, which might also be a factor in the Bayern v Gladbach game. On paper, this this looks like three points for your lads. Yeah, was it 12 in a row that Schalke haven't won? Hopefully yeah, this so, isn't yeah. an unlucky 13 um, for Leverkusen, who, as we all know, haven't lost in Gelsenkirchen, which is where we all know Schalke are, uh, since August 2013. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, past, past that part of the quiz. The rest of it, uh, a little bit more iffy. You're not getting any more points for that, Ken. That's might, the same answer that you gave last you, week. I'm not you giving you any bonus that. points. This might all be part of a larger game. No, um, open, the quiz is over. <laughs> open your third eye. And you lost. Um, nope. Uh, <laughs> just like, just like uh, Havertz isn't leaving. Just a s- summary no from me. Um, but yeah, you mentioned having a little bit uh, more wear on the legs this week. I, I do think... It was a really good job of rotating players midweek. I know there were a couple of substitutions at 45 minutes, and then obviously another couple after that third goal. Um, so, you know, it, not not a full 90 minutes on everybody's legs. Uh, Havertz, of course, didn't play again because of injury, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really worried that this is, uh, pardon the Americanism, a trap game. Um, where it looks so easy on paper that you kind of overthink it and, and look past it to more difficult ones going forward. But as you say, with, with the chase for the Champions League spots well and truly on it, I think it would be hard for them to lose focus in this one. So, yeah, it should be a win. I think Schalke are still missing their three top scorers, which is just absurd. Obviously, they're in a massive downward spiral. They're going to do everything they can to reverse that, of course, but at this point, not looking like they're going to be able to. Yeah, a lot of games that look to count for a lot um, this weekend in particular. The bottom two are playing Paderborn against Werder Bremen. I think most people think Paderborn are done, but if they've got a win in that game, that will keep them alive. Um, I don't think they can be relegated this weekend. I'm just trying to add it up in my head live. Um, maybe they can. Maybe they can. Let's just say maybe they can. <laughs> They're already 11 points adrift of the... The, the relegation playoff safety bit, so really big game for them. Um, and another close game involving your Freiburg lads, John against Wolfsburg, Freiburg 8, Wolfsburg 6. So do you think Europa League's still an outside bet, or is it starting to get exciting? Yeah, I think I'm right in saying that there's a Europa League place added to the top six if... Bayern win the DFB Pokal. I'd okay. have to check. That's that. similar to how it works in in England. Yeah, yeah. So it could be the case that um, seventh, seventh would be yeah. enough for a Europa League place. It's an interesting one because, uh, in many respects, I don't think I certainly don't want Freiburg to go to the Europa League because um, uh, uh, how many two two or three years ago they they did get into the Europa League and they had just an absolutely awful time of it. Their squad just wasn't deep enough to deal with it. Um, and this time around as well, they've got a couple of players who are almost likely to be moved on. Uh, the keeper Alexander Swallow and uh, Robin Koch is is. Um, in hot prospect is a hot prospect at the moment uh, and so those two things together actually makes me a little bit apprehensive about Freiburg going back into into Euro in the Europa League because last time they did it they really struggled in the league as well so um, I mean that said you don't really want to game the system like that so this is a it's a bit of a six-pointer really Wolfsburg on 45 points and uh, Freiburg on 41 and this is a sort of game that that Freiburg could get a, a get a result in so yeah it's going to be a fun game I think. Yeah it's, it's a funny one with this sort of club in Europe isn't it I mean we said before Freiburg are, are sort of Burnley-ish and obviously mm. I support Burnley and we got into Europe League a couple of years ago and it, it 
had an impact on our league form as well. Mm. I was reading something today that said we had an unhappy time of it. And I was thinking, we hadn't been in Europe for 50 years. Fans got to see us play in Greece and Turkey and Northern Scotland. Um, But (laughs) these were things that fans of the club had never seen before, might well never get to see again. Mm. And I, I just think you have to enjoy the adventure of it, don't you? I mean, I know... Freiburg probably sees surviving in the Bundesliga as the main thing, same as Burnley in the Premier League. But if you're not going to like push on and try and get into Europe, it's a bit like, well, what's the point? What are we doing? Mm. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think what I would say to that is that Freiburg had that experience three years ago. And I, I think that has impacted the fans' view of, of the prospect of the Europa sure. League. And I'd, I'd be interested to hear what Burnley fans would think about the prospect of going to the Europa League again, I guess, in, in the in the future, whether or not you think that that would be diminished by um, by the fact that you had a, a bit of a bad run of it last time. But yeah, look, I I think it, it's it's a funny one because I think with with Freiburg, they, they are overperforming to such a huge extent. I, I gave you the salary figures and yeah. uh, Schalke, uh, sorry, Freiburg are second from bottom in that list. Um, and they're just way off the, the other clubs. And um, I think with that in mind, you know, survival for Freiburg is just incredible every every season round. I mean, it's the same for, for Burnley and Burnley do overperform and it's incredible what they achieve there. But I don't think maybe that the risk is quite so high of relegation for them, even having that season in, in the Europa League. I think you still you still quite comfortably, comfortably survived. Right. So, um, but yeah, look, it's one of those things where if they get into Europe, I'll be excited about about it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm pretty hesitant about the, the chances of just going into Europe being, I think we lost to some club called Domzale, who I don't even know where they're from. Um, and it was, it was pretty embarrassing all around. So um, I'm still, I still um, c- carry the scars of that um, brief <laughs> flirtation with Europe. So. Yeah, I suppose it's interesting. Has the club like learned from last time? Will they make a better fist of it, or is it a case of we've done it and we didn't really like it, so we wanted to avoid it? Um, it's a, it's a case it? of the so it's a case of the transfer system as well. I think yeah, they yeah, they always yeah. know that they're over a lot, and so there's a, a huge amount of luck involved in that. If you bring in good young players and they click quite comfortably, um, you you may survive it quite quite well and do well in Europe but it's just such a gamble that I think they would probably think it's not really worth it yeah I'm not sure if it's meant to start next season but you were for starting a, a third European competition aren't they so clubs like Freiburg and Burnley might end up knocking around all parts of Europe in that and probably be even less appealing than the Europa League yeah <laughs> but if Burnley face Augsburg who are you going to root for oh well that's oh, we really all know difficult. the answer to that <laughs> yeah Jesus <laughs> Augsburg. I love Augsburg. Augsburg <laughs> all the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of Augsburg, I suppose I should probably at least mention who they're playing this weekend. Um, <laughs> Augsburg are away to Mainz. So it's actually a big game at the bottom of the table. Mainz are 15th, which is one place above the relegation playoff place. Augsburg just a couple of places and a point ahead. Um, so a real six-pointer, as they say. Uh, sort of match that if one of the teams wins, then they're probably thinking that they've maybe done enough to be safe. Um, don't really have any confidence around Augsburg at all. Uh, like yeah, when their striker is distracted by not yeah. enough noise, you're, you're probably in some trouble. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We talked about um, Niederlechner before and my bafflement at the fact that he's apparently got double figures in goals for the season. Um, had a penalty saved at the weekend then complained that it was because there was no fans. He blamed the lack of fans for not scoring his penalty. So 
Yeah, you should um, be able to go to the game, Jamie, and just heckle him from the sidelines, <laughs> and then he won't be able to moan about the lack of noise. <laughs> this is helping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. Just a solitary boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might. Be, I don't think it can get any worse. So they should certainly think about doing that. I think that's that seems like a solid plan. Um, Relatedly, yeah, sorry not to interrupt what I'm sure was about to be the outro, but uh, we were talking in the, the chat about uh, the fact that there won't be any masks this weekend. So now that they're also letting in more journalists and stuff, maybe more people will be present to boo him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Relaxing the, the rules, aren't they? Me and John were having almost an argument about this debating over whether masks were good or not. But um, yeah, the, the, the positive side of this, John, is that clearly football in Germany has worked. We talked right at the start of the show how everyone in the world was going to be keeping an eye on the Bundesliga. And so far, Touchwood, no players have tested positive and everything seems to have run quite smoothly, which means that they can relax these measures like masks and letting in more journalists so that they can watch the game that they could just stay at home and watch on TV anyway. Yeah, I think the moral of the story is is if you get your national infection rates down, then you can get on with life. And um, that's the really, and oh. I, I think, annoying thing about no being in this on country at the moment, where any people on the show live in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it's frustrating because you know that's the best way of of solving any of the issues caused by the pandemic is to make sure that you treat the pandemic and then you can get back to to normality. And um, Germany seems to have done very well at that. And um, I, I'm still a little bit more worried about football returning in in the UK. But this is a Bundesliga podcast, so I guess at this point we celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, obviously there was some some concern from fan groups some of the ultra groups weren't happy about the prospects of these ghost games as they call them in, in germany but from the outside looking in it seems to have all worked as well as it could have in the circumstances and obviously we all wanted football to come back so we have something to watch and talk about on podcast that we've just started so hopefully um everything will continue to be fine and hopefully in the other countries that are about to bring football back it will also be fine um, but like you were saying, Kev, we're going to wrap the show up. So do you tell people how to subscribe and stuff? Thing? I know it's your favorite part of the show because you get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I do like talking, but it's not about my beloved Leverkusen. So second favorite time. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can, of course, follow us or subscribe uh, to us on Acast, iTunes, and Spotify. And we're probably rattling around on a few other things that I didn't just mention. Uh, but yeah, also find us on Twitter at BundesligaPod and, and follow at EPL Index as well, who also tweet out these episodes uh, as they go out. Yeah, and if you are listening, please don't be shy about getting in touch and telling us you're doing a good job, bad job, people are funny, not funny. What you're you doing a job. Exactly. We're doing a job. We are making a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it for this week. So next show will probably record Sunday night. So it'll be out Sunday night, depending on where you are in the world on Monday, looking at the weekend's games. But I think that's it for now. So thanks to Kev, Jim and John for joining me. As always, you can get them on Twitter individually as well. Kev Rob is Kev's handle. Jim is Jim Knight tweets and John is John underscore McKenzie. You can follow me as well. I'm Jamie Smith Sport. But we'll let you get on with your day. I think we've taken up enough of your time for one day. Um, so we'll catch you again soon. This has been Bundesliga for Beginnings. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.